It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Friday, December 17th, 2021. I'm Erin Fulton with Raven News. A new study shows that retreating glaciers are likely to open up thousands of miles of salmon spawning habitat by the year 2100. And while that may sound like the distant future, it's the blink of an eye in geologic time. KTOO's Claire Strempel reports. It's a rare sunny day in Juneau, and the Mendenhall Glacier glows blue under a blue sky. Cold air moves down the glacier and makes a chilly day even chillier. I would say it's about maybe six degrees. It's pretty cold out here. Aaron Hood teaches at University of Alaska Southeast, and he co-authored a study that maps where glacier retreat will open up new spawning zones for salmon over the next 75 years. And while the findings are new, the process isn't. It's already happened right where we're standing. Today we're going to look at um, one of the streams here at the glacier that now has uh, spawning salmon in it that didn't uh, probably 100 years ago. This stream was covered by ice. So this is new habitat that's been opened up since the Mendenhall Glacier has retreated. Technically, the stream, Steep Creek, is also covered by ice today. But it's not glacier ice. We can see some patches of dark flowing water where the current resists freezing. Under the snow, salmon eggs are nestled in the gravel of the stream bed. This is just a small example of what could happen on a much larger scale over the next hundred years, especially in the region between the Alsek and Copper Rivers. Deglaciation could increase salmon habitat by nearly 30 percent in the Gulf of Alaska by 2100. As we look at the glacier now and you just think, Oh, everything underneath that is sort of barren, unproductive land, which is true when the glacier recedes immediately after that. But in the longer term, it can develop into productive habitat. The study shows that new rivers will be created. That leaves land managers to decide the future of what are essentially brand new ecosystems. The study looks at the ecosystems in terms of salmon, but there are other opportunities in the newly revealed Earth. There are competing interests in some of these landscapes that are being opened up by glacier recession. And one of those interests might be the development of minerals. Mining companies are staking claims on recently deglaciated areas, and in some cases, preemptively staking claims. That is, claiming glaciers with the knowledge that when they melt, they might uncover mineral-rich land. Hood says glaciers and the way they retreat have tremendous impact in southeast Alaska, even here at this relatively small salmon stream. This is obviously an important population for tourism, much more than a fishery, because this is probably the most common place that people come in Juneau uh, to view salmon. In 30 years, tourists who stand at the window of the Mendenhall Glacier Visitor Center probably won't be able to see the glacier itself. But if they stand by this stream, they're likely to see salmon and bears in the ecosystem the glacier left behind. Reporting in Juneau, I'm Claire Strempel. The Alaska Department of Transportation is looking to private operators to get people, vehicles, and freight to five southeast villages this winter. The bidding deadline has been extended until next week, Monday, December 20th. Coast Alaska's Jacob Resnick recently toured a 147-foot landing craft that its operators say could help supply communities as soon as next month. The morning sun has just risen over the Alaska Marine Lines facility on Gastineau Channel. From the wheelhouse, skipper Mark Hesse is edging into one of Juno's freight docks on this cold, sunny weekday morning 
preparing to load Hoonabound shipping containers on this 196-ton black and white landing craft. Hesse lives in New Hampshire, but has experience in this part of Alaska. I was uh, made on a fuel barge, did the, the milk run, catch a can, Juno. How do you like inland waters to drive ships? <laughs> so it's a lot more enjoyable than being out on the ocean, you know, the open ocean. The state of Alaska is looking for private vessels like these to offer scheduled and on-call service to five villages from Juneau. It put out a tender earlier this month for passenger service, and firms like Allen Marine in Sitka and Gold Belt Inc. in Juneau that operate catamarans have expressed interest. But the missing link has been vessels that can take both people and vehicles out to the villages in the stormy winter months. So yeah, I mean, we're pretty new to Southeast relatively as a company, right? But, you know, I just think we have the right kind of boat to help. Clark Hill is operations places. manager of Bowhead Transport, a subsidiary of Utiakvik's Village Corporation. What our niche has been is the more remote, maybe a shallow draft, uh, the places where the larger barges and ships may not necessarily be able to get into, right? That's one thing we think that we're uniquely qualified for is, you know, with this, you know, subsidizing the ferry system here is to get to these other, like Pelican, you know, Tenakee, Angoon, and these other outlying communities that may not have this regular service, right? We're aboard the Arctic Village Corporation's largest vessel, the Uniluck. It's already here in Juneau doing freight runs to Huna on a contract with AML, the region's primary marine shipper. The Uniluck was built about seven years ago as a landing craft to take heavy equipment to western Alaska and the Arctic. Its deck is 50 feet wide for roll-on, roll-off vehicles and cargo. But compared to most Alaska marine highway system vessels, it's petite. We're not like, you know, these other ferries that can do hundreds of, of passengers. Our kind of focus is more for the cargo and vehicles, you know. And uh, we can do approximately 25 average size vehicles. AML and other freight companies already offer vehicle shipping to some communities, but the state is mulling putting a ship like this on a schedule or on-call basis to serve the southeast communities of Gustavus, Angoon, Huna, Tenakee Springs, and Pelican from a hub in Juneau. The Uniluck is a working vessel in Spartan, but it's rated to carry a total of 16 people. After the crew, that'd be room for just 10 passengers on what Hill says would be a no-frills trip. And that, that is one of the one of the things we have to consider here is we're just not set up to be a passenger ferry. So, yeah. Up the steps, there's a deck with a few wooden tables and benches. There's a galley with a range and pantry that could be equipped to offer meals. Uh, we can probably lay out, you know, cereal, yogurt, and that kind of thing. So you can see it's got commercial ovens and toasters, and I mean, it's, it's well equipped to host folks and, and feed them. And, the Uniluck is designed for work, not pleasure, so it's a far cry from the amenities offered on traditional marine highway vessels. It's relatively slow, about eight to nine knots, depending on the load, and that's half the speed of the $60 million Alaska-class ferries that have seen little to no use since they were floated about two years ago. But the selling point, Hill says, is the boats already contracted in Southeast. Obviously, we're here this winter, so this winter, January, February, March, uh, certainly would would make sense, right, to be the on-call type vessel because it is going to be here in Juneau through March. The state's deadline for private operators to bid has been extended at least once, but according to bid documents, the agency is looking to offer private passenger and freight ferry services as early as January. Booking would still be through AMHS with the same fares as the state's blue and gold fleet. And that could be useful when a state ferry breaks down or, as more recently has been the case, cost-cutting 
that's kept a number of ferries tied to the dock. Reporting in Juneau, I'm Jacob Resnick. The three Aleutian volcanoes that have been erupting simultaneously in recent months could be joined by a fourth. Davidoff Volcano in the western Aleutians has remained inactive for thousands of years, but a series of earthquakes measured around the dormant volcano has some researchers wondering if Davidoff is waking up. KUCB's Theo Greenlee has more. Davidoff rises over a thousand feet out of the Bering Sea, the remnant of an ancient caldera. It's located in the Rat Islands in the far western Aleutians, nearly 200 miles west of Adak, so far west that it's actually considered the eastern hemisphere. The volcano hasn't been active at least since the time Russian explorers started keeping records in 1760, and researchers say it's likely remained dormant much longer than that, for thousands of years. Until now. A swarm of earthquakes shook the area last week, and that has researchers keeping a close watch. Davidoff is, is, is long dormant, but, but you know, the process of uh, subduction that, that uh, you know, leads to uh, volcanoes along the Aleutian Arc hasn't, hasn't stopped. Uh, so, I, you know, I think the, you know, the possibility remains for, for there to be activity. Matthew Haney is a geophysicist with the Alaska Volcano Observatory in Anchorage. He says a swarm of earthquakes that hit the region last Tuesday increased in magnitude over the week. That suggests maybe these earthquakes weren't caused by tectonic shifts, but rather by magma flowing beneath the volcano. With tectonic earthquakes, typically the first one is the largest one, and then there's a bunch of aftershocks afterwards. So I think this one caught our attention last week because the largest earthquake was not the first one. So that that is uh, something that catches our attention that's more like a, uh, a volcanic earthquake sequence. Davidoff is too remote to threaten any communities, but Haney says it could pose a hazard to airline traffic. The AVO raised the warning level at Davidoff to yellow last Friday due to the possibility of just that. Researchers in the Aleutians have seen this kind of thing before. Haney says in 2008, a similar string of earthquakes hit an area east of Adak around Kasatochi volcano. So a similar, uh, you know, a similar question arose. Are, are these earthquakes that we're measuring, uh, are they tectonic or volcanic? And uh, in that case, the earthquake activity intensified and, uh, and, the, and the volcano uh, ultimately erupted in 2008 in a, in a large eruption. Haney says the earthquakes around Davidoff continued through the weekend, but that they don't seem to be intensifying. Still, he says, AVO's team will be keeping a close watch from their vantage point 1,200 miles away. Reporting in Unalaska, I'm Theo Greenley. I'm Aaron Fulton, and this has been Raven News. 